Hello again, everybody. This is the coach Shannon Griffith and welcome to the Hoosier football tailgate here on Memorial Day, wrapping up a nice holiday weekend. Unfortunately, the Hoosiers losing to the Buckeyes on Saturday afternoon to with a score of 23 to 20, a 10 to three halftime lead showed promise. Unfortunately, the Buckeyes outscored the Hoosiers 13 to nothing in that second half and Indiana falls to zero one on the season and will face Indiana state in a Friday night kickoff on the big 10 network. Um, got a couple mixed feelings about this game and, and, and this, this particular episode wanted to kind of uh, go through it from my perspective, uh, maybe from a coach's perspective on what kind of I, I saw and listened to during the game, as well as, you know, some of the comments made post game and then today during the press conference uh, out at Memorial Stadium this afternoon. First and foremost, I think you got to look at this game being that it was the first game of the year. There's no coach in America that loves to start off the first game of the year with a conference game. Um, I think Tom Allen alluded to this in his pregame or postgame interview um not having any preseason games or anything of that magnitude you really can't get a total feel for your football team until you get punched in the nose and see how they react and um so i think that you know number one is always a major concern of any uh college coach at any level uh is working through uh some of those dynamics when i coached football at division three we had the availability to have pre uh, season uh, scrimmages and such. So it gave you an idea of what you got and who you were going against at the division one level. You do not have that availability. So it is a big, you know, a big uh, question mark for teams going into the season, especially those that are facing right out of the gate against a conference opponent like IU did with Ohio state. I'm not sure why the big 10 does that. Uh, I'm sure it has to do with scheduling and non-conference contest and things of that magnitude. But to me, it makes no sense, but Neither here or there. The fact of the matter is the game was played and the Hoosiers come out with a loss to Ohio State. I think now it's like 29 games that Indiana has not beating Ohio State, which uh, is kind of hard to believe on one end and at the other end kind of understand because the dynamics of the two uh, schools and uh, the number of athletes that Ohio State has on their roster. Um, overall impressions, um, defensively, I mean, I thought they played really well. Um, if I'm facing Ohio state, I'd rather face them week one when they're not quite sure of their identity as an offense. I alluded to this, uh, during our first episode, you know, with a young, uh, quarterback and Kyle McCord, um, I'd rather face that young man week one than week eight uh, any day of the year and Ohio State the same way because I just think Ohio State will see their vast biggest improvement from week one to week two and every week beyond that. So playing them early in some respects is a little bit of an advantage, um, but take nothing away from IU's defense. I thought their scheme was sound. I thought their front four played really well. Um I thought they were they maintained gap integrity for the better part of the day. I thought the Carter kid, the transfer, was a beast up on the defensive uh, line. You can see where his ability um, 
is really going to only get better within their scheme. And he's just now learning it. So there's a big part of that. Um, I thought Carter, the linebacker, was phenomenal. His linebacker fits were on point all day long. Um, he made some nice open field tackles, especially in the hole against two Ohio State running backs that are that are really top-notch runners. And I thought his play was good. But, you know, they limited Ohio State to 380 yards of offense. Um, Ohio State um, rushing – they only had 143, which I thought was was good. They only averaged two, and they averaged 237 in the passing game. Only gave them 67 plays. That's where the new first down rule this year, I think, is going to help a team like IU defensively, especially in eliminating uh, limiting uh, the number of snaps an offense gets per game. Uh, here's a big stat that I thought went well for IU defensively. Ohio State was only two of 12 on third down conversions. Now, they were two or three on fourth down, but two of 12 on third down. That's awesome. And it tells you that Ohio State was facing some third and long scenarios as opposed to third and medium, third and short. So their efficiency level as an offense wasn't to what Ohio State would like it to be. Um, and Indiana's defense did quite well. Special teams, I thought IU, it's where they really shot themselves in the foot, offensively speaking, because every return, it seemed, they had had a penalty. And it led to the offense having to start inside the 20 numerous times and inside the 10, I believe, four or five times. And I'll tell you, being an offensive coach most of my career, when you are faced having to drive the ball 80, 90, 95 yards consistently, you're not going to do it. There's just no offense in America that's going to have the consistency to drive it that length of the field with any consistency and win a ball game. And so when you really look at this game, it came down to field position, which Ohio State won based upon some of the penalties that IU had in the kicking game. But offensively speaking, when you are faced with those type of dynamics, um, it affects everything. It affects the play calling. It affects the mindset of the kids because now they're backed up and they don't want to make the critical mistake. And all of a sudden now they tighten up and maybe don't make the proper reads or the proper cuts or proper blocks uh, throughout the day. And I think that was very evident in this ball game. Um, but offensive line wise as a unit, I thought they were good. I don't think they were necessarily great. I think they're learning to come off the ball. That's one thing that I would say. I thought they came off the ball with a little bit more aggressiveness. I think they're going to have to learn to sustain blocks longer including in pass pro, but overall, I think you can be cautiously optimistic that this offensive line can get better as the year goes on from that perspective. Now, I don't think there was anyone that I would necessarily single out. It's kind of hard to observe that from, you know, um, a TV angle for, the entire day, unless you have some end zone cuts that you can really sit down and evaluate like coaches have. But overall, I thought they were 
they were good. They were good. Now, IU offensively as a whole, and I think part of this observation lends to the fact that they uh, were hampered by field position. They only had 153 of uh, yards of total offense, 71 yush yards, which was the 2.2 yards on average. Now, I think I alluded to this in our preview uh, game and talking about keys for the Hoosiers to win or be in a position to win on Saturday. Offenses have to have an efficiency rating on first and second down of a consistent four yards or more, especially on first down, so that they are lining up in third and medium or short the majority of the time. When you're behind the sticks and you're lining up third and seven, third and eight, third and nine, your chances go way down on converting those downs. Same thing is true for like I talked about earlier. When you start start drives and have to go 80, 90, 95 yards on cons, in, uh, consistently, it's just not going to happen. Too many things can happen uh, offensively. The defense can really just play pretty sound and gap-oriented and not give up the big play. And unfortunately, IU just didn't have any big big plays on on Saturday. Uh, with that. But up front, um, that's where I think IU was good, but not great because of their efficiency on first and second down. I believe they only gave up one sack a day. So you can see right there with them only averaging 2.2 yards on the in the run game, they're going to have to vastly improve that. And it starts up front. And that starts with understanding on maintaining uh, their blocks, leverage coming off the ball. Again, I'll get into the quarterback scenario here in a little bit um, with that, but, um, you know, I thought they needed to maybe target a little bit more of the wide receivers. I don't necessarily felt, feel that they did – enough in trying to target them in specific ways, whether it be bubble screens or quick screens or, you know, things of that magnitude. Um, part of that too was where they were at field position wise. And if I tried to put myself into coaches bell seat as an offensive coordinator, lining up first and 10 from our 20 with two uh, rookie quarterbacks, that's where he may have become a little bit too uh, cautious in what he called. Um, but I get that and understand it. Um, but going forward, uh, they're going to have to do some more things offensively to garner efficiency within their offense. What that may be, I couldn't tell you because I couldn't sit here and tell you what gave them four or five yards on average in the running game. So I don't know what you go to hang your hat on. But um, I thought they could have done a little bit more with their wide receivers um, because I do think they have some legit athletes on the outside that can do some things in space. Um, but again, I understood it from the perspective of two young quarterbacks and you're back against the wall. Now, the quarterback situation 
I thought there was an interesting comment by Coach Allen in his press conference when he talked about the dynamics surrounding Soresby and Jackson in terms of why a decision wasn't made in terms of naming, you know, the guy and leading to this two quarterback approach for the first two weeks. Um, the biggest thing that I heard from that comment of what he said was none of them really grabbed the bull by the horns to establish themselves as the guy. It sounded as if there was a lot of inconsistencies throughout fall camp where one day one would do well, the other would do bad, and the next day would flip. Or one week you had one guy that really pushed himself to the forefront and then the next week take a step back. So they never really, either one of them, took the bull by the horn. Um, So there's that side of it. The other side of it is, like he said, is not having any type of preseason games in camp. They're not hitting. They're not full go. Um, and I know in some respects that's where it gets a little bit concerning uh, at the quarterback position, especially if you don't have a lot of depth. You don't want to injure one on a practice day uh, for the sake to see how they handle pressure. But in some cases, it's warranted in order to get a true opinion of what you got. Now, so I think in backing up, I think in that respect, if you look at it, not one of them uh, took the bull by the horns and said, I'm the guy, which to me is a little concerning because now you're going to evaluate them against Ohio State, which neither of them really did anything to warrant a true decision out of that game. It kind of got the same impression probably that they got out of camp. Um, however, Jackson, I believe, was the quarterback on the one drive that led to points. Um, and then the other fact is um, now you play Indiana State, two opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of competition goes. And there's high probability that they'll come out of that game, maybe not knowing because they both perform well against a team that doesn't have the ability. So you go into that Louisville game, potentially doing the same thing again uh, after week two. Now, I'm sure Coach Allen, Coach Bell, the offensive side of the football would like to name a starter going into Louisville, and that's the way they're going to stay for the entire year. But... I'm not sure you're going to have enough snaps to make that uh, overall decision as who it would be. Uh, now, uh, the one thing that caught me a little by surprise is um, they went back from their philosophy, or at least Coach Allen's philosophy, of being an up-tempo offense. Um, you know, the no-huddle up-tempo where they're trying to get – you know, as many plays as they could. Now, if you look at prior year statistics, I said that on the uh, pregame aspect was that last year, they only averaged holding the ball for 25 minutes, which puts a big, big burden on your defense. So I think they scaled back a little bit and they were running this option offense, which led me to believe that maybe they visited 
Coastal Carolina a little bit um, to get maybe some things that Coastal Carolina did with what they, you know, option option football wise, because they're probably one of the leaders in the no huddle option game. Um, I'm just speculating there have no no valid uh, evidence is that what they did. Um, but um, I was surprised at that because one, I'm not sure that's Jackson's game. I think uh, Taven is a more uh, spread open it up type of quarterback. Soresby may be more of an option type quarterback in that regard. Um, but I don't think that's Taven. Um, but that's just, again, uh, my opinion alone in watching him through the years. Um, it's not that he can't do it. I think he proved in some instances of Saturday that he could, but I'm not sure that lends to his type of game um, with everything. So um, you get a little bit of positive defensively with some of the play that they got out of their defense, Carter and uh, Casey and some of these guys that really uh, did a great job on, on Saturday. Casey was their leading tackler. Uh, Moore was their second uh, total tack, uh, leading tackler. And then it was Meyer, Derman, Tomer. Um, and then Carter was down a little bit with only four total. But Casey was their leader with 11, nine solos. Uh, that kid had a tremendous, tremendous game as a Hoosier. And it started with his technique. And it started with him with... Uh, his gap responsibilities and that's what defense is it's just gap responsibilities when you get the big gashes and stuff nine out of ten times it's because they they have somebody out of uh, out of position in their gap but um, I think you can take away that you got a good effort from the defense and what they had to go against I would uh, lay some caution to that because I know Ohio State's an elite program, but Ohio State week one will be very much different than Ohio State week five or six or seven. So um, taking nothing away from those kids or the coaching staff because I thought they prepared well, I'm just trying to say that a consecutive two weeks now will give you a better understanding of what their defense is going to be like, especially after that Louisville game offensively they've got to find an identity they've got to get two comfortable quarterbacks because i thought most of the day they were uncomfortable with what they were doing um having watched them both now i could see where their dilemma is in terms of who is the guy they need someone to step up and take the bull by the horns and be that guy if i'm a betting man i think it's taven i think he gives you a lot more um, flexibility in what you want to do in terms of his athleticism. I think he maybe has a mm, slightly better delivery, quicker maybe, maybe not as strong as Soresby, but I think it's quicker um, getting the ball in and out of his hands. So uh, we're just going to have to wait and see on all that as it pertains to what we get here against Indiana State. Um, as it pertains to uh, what they're going to do at that position, but it still takes one of them to step to the forefront and saying, uh, this is my team. I am the guy. Let's go. And I just don't think they got that um, through camp, maybe even in the spring. Um, but I don't think they came out of 
Saturday's game with any one of the coaching staffs thinking he's our guy at this point. But it still comes down to getting those kids comfortable with what they're doing and also getting better field position to enable them to get them comfortable in what they want to do. So tough, disappointing loss for the Hoosiers against Ohio State on Saturday uh, to the Buckeyes. 23 to three Uh, be back later this week to give me my breakdown and point of view on Indiana state as Kurt Mallory brings his sycamores into Memorial stadium, a homecoming for coach Mallory uh, being that his father being the head football coach there for a number of years. So that will be a special day for him. No Kurt. Well, coach with Kurt at ball state back when we first started our coaching journey and a ton of respect for him and what he's doing there at Indiana state. But the Hoosiers can bet this one thing uh, is that Indiana state will come in looking uh, to make an impression and win a game come Friday night, because there are no moral victory victories in football and it doesn't matter. The objective is to win. And that's the only, only objective that counts is winning. It's not how good you look defensively, offensively, or special teams. If you don't win, it doesn't matter. So Indiana State will come with that vision in mind, and IU is going to have to be ready to be tested uh, from start to finish against the Sycamores. Well, I'll see you later this week. For the coach, I am Shannon Griffith. This has been the Hoosier Football Tailgate here on the Believe Network. Good night, everybody.